0: Hey friends, we're back. Your favorite podcast of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 635 and we're recording on August the 28th. Yes, the month is almost done. It's almost back to school time uh, for all the kids uh, and just everything like conference seasons ramping up. uh, Retail Locos just around the corner in Atlanta on November 1st and 2nd. Um, Yeah, there's lots happening. So and baseball seasons winding down how about you I know. Aubrey, yeah you?
1: as a parent we are we are ready we are ready for school to start ready to get back into I think more of a schedule it's been a wonderful and fun summer but it is like it is time parents I know little ones you feel me um but yeah it's like bittersweet right you're excited to get back into the groove of things but sad that, all the fun, you know, weekend travel and, and trips are are coming to a close.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyhow, yeah, we have the long weekend here. So Monday's a holiday coming up. But other than that, we're, we're back to the grind. So yeah. all right, well, let's let's jump into the show. Uh, four stories as usual. And I'll let you kick it off with I think an interesting one.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting one. So let's talk about mannequins, not like the movie mannequin from, what was that? The eighties, but actual store mannequins and kind of the evolution, like what is next? You know, all of these mannequins we've had for years have been very much the same. I mean, we've had headless, we've had different shapes and sizes come into play, but now the new evolution of mannequins is perhaps digital, right? Um, so there is a global innovation agency that is called Outform, and they are saying, hey, let's like reimagine the storm mannequin. What does that look like? And how can we maybe have like a digital, if you will, physical and digital uh, form of this? So they're combining this 3D-like hologram technology with some dynamic content, and then like this real-time data into one robust experience is their claim, right? So, I mean, you know, you see like retailers a lot of times we they we've seen like the um the creativity, right? The 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 storefronts and like how they design things and set them up and um, you know, how each season is different, sometimes every week is different. Uh, but really some of the detail that they're missing per outform is really this like digital injection to make it future fit and align with how today's tech savvy shoppers uh, and consumers are, you know, going about their retail experience. So this digital mannequin is acting more as like this flexible solution. It's going to um, not only have like the hologram that uses this human model to showcase the apparel and the accessories, but then it also will have QR code enablement next to the display. So Um, you can see like, what is the model wearing? Gives customer level control of their experience. They can customize the display perhaps based on their wants and needs. Um, And then once shoppers find a specific model and products that they're looking for, they can purchase them in store or from their smartphones and maybe save outfits for future considerations. Now, not a lot of detail on how this works. Is this like through a store app or is it simply online? I don't know. But I think the idea is is simple, right? Like blending the mannequin, but making it more digital so you can interact with it versus it just being a physical display that you're staring at. Um, So one of the global studies that Outform did conduct said that 70% of shoppers are using their smartphones while in store. I don't think that's like news to anybody. We're all using our smartphones for various things. It didn't say exactly what for. Uh, Sometimes I'm like, Hey, is there a better price on this? Hey, is there something similar I could find? Or do they have my size online if I don't find my size in the store? But I think the point is, is that people have their phones on them while they're shopping. So how can they engage shoppers more in that aspect as well? So I think this is like really hoping to give brands the power to capture shopper data on one hand, really understand like what are individuals looking for, preferences, habits, purchase decisions, and then add in some in-store metrics, right? So online metrics, user information, aggregated data from that consumer-based mobile experience, and then maybe directly linking to the retailer's um, commerce platform. So that's like kind of the interesting part for me where the people sitting in those offices, right? Those executives can get that real-time view if you will, of what shoppers have considered and what they're actually purchasing. So then they can also retarget across other online channels. That part to me is very interesting, right? Like utilizing that in-store data and interaction with those digital mannequins to say, hey, how can I retarget these people that are engaging with me or maybe people that are like them? Um, and what you know, what's like resonating with my audience at this point? So they can do A-B testing, um, refine further insights, you know, tailor their content. And then they mentioned a few other value adds like um, and imp- they could incorporate operational platforms for pricing information, stock availability, promotional messaging, and other things that could support this like omni-channel business. So overall, I find this very interesting. I don't think that the idea of like a digital mannequin is necessarily new, but I love the idea of tying it with ways to capture and store data and apply that across maybe their more marketing and advertising channels. So being able to do that at a quicker closed loop type of a play, I think is very interesting. And I would assume that retailers specifically in the clothing industry, jewelry industry, like anything that is like more high-end goods really wanna know like, what should we be making? What should we be planning for? What are we gonna run out of stock on? Like having those insights early on, I think would help them get ahead of some of the trends um, and be more productive and profitable long-term. So I, I like the, the concept of this, although like just thinking about it from the digital mannequins is not so exciting. (laughs) What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm all over the analytics aspects of this and kind of the data that they can glean from that and how they use that for retargeting. I think it's brilliant. It makes a ton of sense. I like that they're using kind of modern technology here in that these are 3D like holographic kind of models of, of humans. Uh, and that because of that, you know, you can have different ranges of apparels on them. You can have, you know, different ethnicities and diversities represented in, you know, how the, the model is, is, is displayed and so on. And, and, you know, having QR codes there, you know, for interaction, I think is a good thing. So I think there's a lot of good things coming together here um you know as you said like digital technology and mannequins is not new uh i remember i don't even know it must be seven eight years ago on this show we covered a, a uk-based um mannequin manufacturer like and these were like a company that made old school traditional mannequins for retail stores and they then started embedding uh bluetooth sensors in the mannequins um in these shops and it was purely kind of this was at you know the height of of bluetooth um you know when beacons were being deployed in all these retail stores and they said well you know if this is happening why don't we just build it into the mannequins and then they're kind of like a little more hidden and kind of you know behind the scenes part of the fabric of the store and for the purpose of that was analytics on foot traffic patterns and movements within the stores and things like that so Uh, Certainly there's been innovations and, you know, different kind of approaches in this space. And you might remember we covered um, uh, Ochele, which is a a, a retailer down in Peru that did a pretty interesting post-COVID or middle of COVID campaign uh, where, you know, they they teamed up with local theater um, uh, operator, you know, like so that, you know, normally live theater, uh, Broadway type thing. And obviously COVID kind of killed that business and you had all these empty seats. So even when, as they were coming back, you know, people weren't necessarily filling it up. And so they took all the empty seats and they filled them with mannequins and dressed them in, you know, the fashion of that retailer and then had QR codes, you know, affixed to each one. So for those who were in attendance in the seats that they were filling... You know, it looked a little more full, number one, uh, but then you could actually go and interact with these mannequins sitting in these seats and, like, learn more about those that clothing and, and shop and all that. So I think there are a lot of interesting, you know, approaches here. But I like what what Outform's doing. I think it's really neat uh, with the holographic, like... Uh, you know, experience here and how you can kind of change that up on the fly and then the in-store analytics piece on top of that. So it's not just the commerce piece, I think, you know, the dwell time, the sessions and the movements, um, you know, those metrics, I think, from an indoor location uh, tracking perspective, I think are really interesting. All right. Yeah. So moving on over to our second story now, we're going to jump over to India where a company called Agenti AI has launched a new POI service. Uh, For those who are uninitiated and have not watched the show at all, you you, uh, may not know, POI is a point of interest. So this is a big thing in the world of location data and mapping services. Um, So this this refers to kind of how we reference a, a business or a point uh, on a map and what's at that point and you know its particulars and and you know what defines it uh is it a store is it a park is it a, a you know a commercial business um you know what's its address what's uh its makeup its business hours all these things can be tied to the POI um and so I think this is um you know interesting I I was a bit surprised that you know anytime I see a new POI service I'm, I'm a bit surprised because I'm always the guy who's like don't we have these things like google's done a great job at this we know the guys at here maps have a huge poi service and yet even some of the other sort of location data providers that you know we're familiar with the unicast and the safe graphs and the echoes and the all these guys they also have their own poi services so i guess that says to me that there's never enough uh, you can never you know have it be accurate enough um and the challenge is, is that you know, especially in the business side of things, you know, businesses are coming and going and changing, and the POIs need to, to change accordingly. And so, these guys are using AI technology to do that um, to make sure it's accurate and kind of you know up to speed on what's happening in, within India. Um, and so that's a good thing. So there are a couple features of this uh, a POI database uh, with you know all the extended points of interest. They say they have precise geotagging as well uh, to make sure that the data points assigned to the geographic coordinates accurately. Um, You can customize it so businesses can, I guess there's an interface for businesses to log in and kind of tailor, you know, the specifics around their business. As I said, things like hours and uh, days of operation and, you know, listing type information can be tied to that. Um, And then they have an insights piece as well uh, for extracting information from this to focus on marketing campaigns and other things. And there's a few other pieces here, they say, you know, there's an integration. So there must be some sort of API that they've released to plug this into other things. So I don't think there's anything super innovative or cool here. I do think that having accurate POI information uh, is incredibly important having a service like this in a market like India that's you know rapidly developing i think is really important uh and using ai and machine learning technologies to you know adjust these things and make sure they're accurate and being developed on the fly i think is is a good thing so there you go that's what i have to say about it
1: yeah i mean i do find it very interesting that there is another poi database coming out and one that has a lot of other products and solutions that they're touting like web scraping type of software um so it is interesting and I was looking at like the increase that they're they're kind of touting and they're showing like 32 percent increase in restaurants in North America I guess in coverage um 12 percent increase in retail shops it looks like that's in you know uh India and then 18 percent increase in pharmacy coverage and like brazil and south america so i don't know if this is like a big pain point i would hope that they would know if this is a big pain point before they're setting out to solve this um as other companies that you've mentioned are already doing this but um
0: yeah and and the thing is is like they're talking about the poi side of it but like are they also a major player in the mobility data side because you know that obviously typically goes hand in hand with these kinds of offerings but yeah
1: yeah so developing a new point of interest is a a uh, topic of interest but i don't know that i have like high hopes that <laughs> this solution will um immediately be um more marketable than others currently in the yeah, space
0: yeah but i'd love to learn more about it so if you're at uh sure. I- Reach out to uh, Aubrianna or I, um, easily found on on LinkedIn or uh, other socials, uh, and we'd love to chat more and see uh, how we could uh, learn more and help. So there you go.
1: Tell us about it. All right. Next story. Let's go to my old hometown of Atlanta, Um, and a project that's been going on for quite a while, honestly, is called the Atlanta Beltline. So if you are familiar with Atlanta, there is, um, you know, the city that has lots of, um, you know, main roads that go run through it, some interstates, 85. uh, And then you've also got 75, you've got 400, and then you've got 285, which is literally a loop that just, if you've ever been stuck on it, you just go around and around and around. So similar to 285, they decided, hey, let's put a belt line more around Atlanta proper, right? Like the the dense city area uh, that connects several different neighborhoods. I mean, I think there's like 40 different neighborhoods that it connects. And, you know, it's been a work in progress. I don't know that it is fully complete and actually makes a loop, but that was the goal to connect other neighborhoods, be able to have um, another route, if you will, for people to kind of Uh, get involved with different communities, be able to even bike ride throughout communities, you know, have uh, with traffic that's there, have another way to kind of move about. So the Atlanta Beltline Inc. is now kicking off this digital inclusion strategy. Uh, So they've announced partners that they're going to work with for this, for the organization's uh, first smart cities demonstration project. And it's going to include a few different things one is autonomous grocery stores another are wayfinding kiosk and the third being um electronic vehicle charging stations so this is being done in partnership with atlanta-based fortune 500 companies and um what they're calling local disadvantaged disadvantaged business enterprise companies um so there's going to be two interactive pop-up sites along the belt line and They are aiming to provide um, Atlantans with tech-driven experiences to help bridge the digital divide by providing free public Wi-Fi, autonomous grocery store, and information on Beltline activities. They'll include like smart trash cans and then um, local businesses to address some of the urban issues, so access to food, technology, and wellness. That's a lot of things, right? This is a very uh, (laughs) multi-pronged. initiative as you can see um honeywell's leading these strategic efforts um and if you don't know honeywell obviously they are a leader in smart city space and then there's another business solutions company called innovate that's n dash ovate um and that's also an atlanta based innovation firm so there's another company called ex square technology And that's gonna transform two areas on the Beltline into these like pop-ups and showcase and pilot technologies. So I think what's interesting here though, it's also gonna have like high-speed internet. So there's gonna be the south side trails and the east side trails will have high-speed internet that's powered by ABI's fiber network. And then the pilot areas, this is the one interesting component to me so far, honestly. There's gonna have a Nourish, um, Nourish plus Bloom market They're going to have a Black-owned autonomous grocery store and a Rove IQ interactive wayfinding kiosk, Big Belly smart waste bins, and a Blink EV charging station, among others. So the Blue Market and then the Black-owned autonomous grocery store are interesting to me. I think that one of the issues that many people in Atlanta have with the Beltline Project and many other projects that are happening is that it is really causing a lot of gentrification, right? So you've got a lot of neighborhoods that were traditionally um, pillars of the community, right? Like it is the black Mecca and it has been kind of the Silicon Valley uh, for black people. And there's just a lot of like tech and entrepreneurship and it's been a home to, to so many there. And I think that a lot of the projects have uprooted those communities. So I do love that there is a one component which is a black owned autonomous grocery store here um, but I think that there's just a lot bigger efforts and a lot bigger things that Atlanta Beltline and Atlanta as a city could do um, to help promote. And I understand it's a balance because there's a lot of probably conflicting agendas that are happening throughout the city and the state. Um, but I think that there are some, some ways that you could bring in more community awareness and opportunities to just integrate those communities for the better Um without it being a downside. So I think it's a project that's worth keeping an eye on, obviously with Retail Loco being there, it's something that for sure, I think in the future will be an opportunity to get involved with the Beltline and just have a better understanding of the efforts that they're putting there um, and maybe even have a little input from an LBMA perspective.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's very interesting. It, it was as I was reading the story and hearing you tell it again, um, you know, it reminded me of, like I'm I'm obviously up here in Toronto, and pre-COVID, there was the big, you know, Google Smart City initiative on our waterfront, uh, where there's a huge plot of land and they were going to build this entire Digital, you know, city with all these sensors and all these moving parts and all sorts of data and smart everything. And then obviously COVID hit and Google pulled out completely. And now that land's being turned into something completely different. Um, but you know, I, I like a lot of the elements of this as they've described it. Um, and I, I think there's there's a lot of potential in these things, and it seems like at least they're, you know, not trying to do too much, too fast, like having two pop-ups. Okay. I mean, I can get behind that and seeing what we learn from it and, and then, you know, growing from there. Um, And yeah, I think, as you said, like from an LBMA point of view, having our, our retail local conference in Atlanta, you know, coming up on November 1st and 2nd. You know, I'll, I'll reach out to Clyde Higgs who who runs the uh, Atlanta Beltline, or if, if, if you're listening, Clyde, we'd love to have you come and share about this in person at the conference uh, in November, that would be great. Uh, I think it would be a good story to tell uh, in terms of local technology innovation, location-based uh, engagement. Um, and yeah, perhaps there's a way we could support and get involved uh, as well uh, as the industry association. So that would be uh, really cool. Um, yeah, and I think there are several elements of this that I'm excited about. I, you know, I think the uh, the interactive wayfinding pieces, the um, potential for, uh, you know, how you navigate the, uh, the you know, Black-owned um, grocery stores and environments like that. Um, I think there are a lot of components to that, you know, yet to be figured out, but, uh, or at least from the stories perspective yet to be figured out. So I'm sure they they've figured it out. Uh, But yeah, I definitely want to learn more about this. And, you know, I I think there's, it's a harbinger for something much bigger. Sure. Yeah. All right. On to our final story now. So um, there is a company out there called Gale, G-A-L-E, an agency, um, uh, creative agency. And they've been working with uh, Chipotle uh, for some time now, for the last three years or so. Uh, and they kind of, uh, have this very interesting campaign that they developed, uh, kind of building upon how diverse the ingredients, uh, and customization, uh, that's available for Chipotle customers. So apparently there are 53 different ingredients that people can use to customize your orders. And because there's so many, there's countless combinations of you know what can happen, so think people who order extra cheese or half and half beans or like tomatillo or sauce or you know whatever the thing might be um, that you want or how you want your you know your uh, your Chipotle order made, and because of that, um, because of the POS system and so on, they have access to you know sort of what every single order was, and they've pulled this data together. Um, And they can see these kind of combinations. And we might all think that how we order is unique to us. But in fact, you know, there's probably hundreds, thousands of other people out there that want it exactly the way we want it. Uh, And so what they built is this really fun and cool uh, email marketing campaign. So yes, email marketing is still alive. They call it the Chipotle double ganger. And so basically they scan millions of orders uh, in near real time. And then they look for orders that match yours um, and then an email is designed um, and the email is kind of cool too because it looks like you're getting a system alert when you receive it um, and it basically shares which cities the orders came from the specific ingredients the time of the order uh, and that's you know at the same time you you get on your receipt and then you kind of receive this. And then um, you're kind of shared with you, some other person somewhere within the Chipotle ecosystem that it has the exact same order um, as you. And so it's really interesting. So apparently they sent in the first month four four hundred 466,000 emails an open rate 175% above the benchmark uh, and an estimated boost in revenue of $4.8 million from this campaign um so it kind of what i like about it 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 shows with creative thinking what you can do with data you already have um and just you kind of you know expose it in a different way and create something fun from it so i really like this campaign i think it's super cool
1: yeah i think this is fun i love that some of the articles around this topic have been like email is almost not dead chipotle proves that Um, so I like that they use the current medium, you know, to, to roll this out and it's fun. It's quirky. It's, it is interesting to know that other people like their food the same way that you do or not, um, as it is a personal decision. So I think this is, uh, it's quirky and I like it. And I think that people are still like using the content. I mean, this launched, I think in July. And the content is still being published. Like there's still fresh content that's happening today around Chipotle doppelganger. So it's like, it's fun that it's continuing. Um, So that's always a benefit to good, smart and creative advertising ideas.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I guess they could always take this a step further. If you remember the campaign way, way back that we covered years ago from Oscar Mayer where they created an app, uh, for bacon lovers, uh, kind of on, on, on the Tinder model. And essentially you could swipe right and swipe left. And, you know, for people who, who like bacon, um, and if you like bacon, that kind of thing. And you, I guess you could create something like this, you know, somebody who likes their Chipotle exactly the way you do, if you're in the market, um, could be dating heaven. I don't know. (laughs) there you go it's possible it's possible so uh maybe that's phase two of the campaign so yeah um, yeah so (laughs) (laughs) they can go from the doppelganger to the matchmaker so there you go
1: maybe i think if any if any like qsr can identify how to keep couples from like fighting on what they want to eat um then then you have a winner
0: there you go (laughs) All right. Well, that's our show for this week. Uh, You've been listening and watching episode number 635 of Location Weekly. We thank you for your time. Just a reminder, Retail Loco, our conference is just around the corner in Atlanta, November 1st and 2nd. Uh, Just go to thelbma.org and click on events and you'll see all about it there and get your tickets. Uh, If you're interested in being a sponsor or speaker, reach out to Aubrianna or I, and we're happy to help you find the information about that as well and uh we'll be back next week with another show well karsten and i will probably be back next week with another show ariana is off doing other things but um we'll see you soon regardless take care i'm week. bye